and I won't stop saying this. One call message. In fact, the fact of God's faithfulness is bigger than, God, than God's love. And you would have heard me say this over and over in some of my teachings. That the reason why we can accept God's love is because God is faithful. Daddy Ariogun shared an experience along the integrity of God. He said, no matter how much you trust your friend who is a dupe, I mean, he called 419 person or a fraudster, no matter how much you trust him, okay, the day he comes to your event and gives you some currency, you will never mix up that currency with the other ones you receive from the other people. Although, even though it could have come that very day to give you that cash gift because it's your event. But because of your previous encounters and experiences with them, you will never mix up that money with the one a bank manager somewhere will give to you. Does that say you do not love him actually? Of course you do. But do you trust his own love for you? No, you do not. Why don't you trust his love for you? Because he lacks integrity. Beautiful. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Now, why can we trust that love of God that made him give us his begotten sons? Because a God that is faithful. And that was what I was telling Moses in Ezra chapter 3 at the burning bush. Say, look, I am the God that I am. Actually, when I was studying that scriptures, some time passed, the Lord began to give me two definitions or two meanings or likely interpretations of that statement. I am that I am. Because that does not make sense. We've been told that that is God's name, that God told him, I am that I am. You see what people want to praise, ah, you are the powerful God. I am that I am. The most high God. The one that's never failing. Do it for me, no. <laughs> that's not what God is saying. Actually, it is a contraction of a whole statement. That is, is like a colloquial expression of the main idea. So when God said, I am that I am, what he meant to say is that I am that God that I am. Or you can read, I am God that I am. Maybe this morning I will start the exaltation I'm doing from those interpretations. And you know, you've heard me say in my teaching that, God was not giving Moses a name. Rather, God was initiating a pre-existing relationship Moses had heard about but he had not been part of. It's just like uh, when pastor came in yesterday, you call him brother, uh, brother Laolo or something like that. Okay? Now, when he came in, he would not need to introduce himself to any of you. That even when Mide was coming in through the door, Mide would say, okay, even without seeing his face, I know, you say, is it because of my shoes? It's not for your shoes, for your voice. Familiarity. Jesus in John chapter 10 said, my, my, my sheep knows me. So there is a way of connection. So when God appeared to Moses, God told Moses, I am that God. Now the word that God is a reference. I am that God you've heard about that I am. Or you can read it to be, I am the God that I am. Two expressions. The first one, I am that God. 
that means that you've heard about me. So that which you have heard about is the one that has come to present himself. Or you read, I am the God that I am. That is, I am who I am by my nature, not even because of who I have appeared to be to your father. So what is God saying? God is saying that I am faithful. And he went on to actually tell Moses in order to make him know that he's not telling him his name, but his integrity. He said, look, I am the God of your fathers. Now, why is God talking to me and making reference to my father? That I know your father, that which I've come to do today is an establishment of a promise. Integrity. Moses was not there. None of the children of the Jews were there when God made promise to Abraham. 400 years after, their great-grandfather is in his grave. God said, look, I am that God that I am. Integrity. And the basis upon which we are relating. Hallelujah. So the core message of the scriptures, which is greater than any other thing, even larger than God's love, even which serves as the basis of receiving God's love today, is the faithfulness of the Father. The same thing you read for us last week, was it Exodus chapter 32? Moses said, Look, God, if you would not do according to what you have told Abraham, then people will say you are not a God worth it. So God had integrity to preserve. So why did God preserve them? Because he was pleased with idolatry or because he wanted to indulge them? No, because of his integrity. And that's why we are working with him today. That if today something horrible so happened, I don't say, well, God, it is where you have brought me. I'm really disappointed. Even those who are out there. Look at what Peter said. Second chapter 3. He said, why are you sad? Talking to the Christians who are scattered abroad. Because, you know, I like using the background of the scriptures to let you understand what that scripture is communicating. You know what led to the writing of Peter's? War. There was war. The whole of the state of Jewish was sacked. Not a house. Not a street, not a tribe. The old tribes of Israel were wiped off and people became homeless. And these guys were believers. Then Peter said, why do you think it's strange? Are those strange things happen to you? Say the same affliction you afflicted happens to your brethren out there. But then the difference between you and your brethren out there is that you have hope. So circumstances does not define our relationship with the Father. The the point. I don't know why I'm saying this. We are confident of better things that await us in the the future. But if otherwise, you have come to settle God's faithfulness. You know, when I got to Ife last, uh, this year, 24 or so on Sunday morning, and then I was taken to... um, Baba's house, the man was fondly called Baba, and I think he's the most elderly person um, in the Baptist Mission Committee. So, most of these missionaries um, come to his house often. And when I got there, they, they told me, you know, I was just trying to express my shock. Then, after the whole thing was disclosed, what I kept saying was that we have come this far. Because you know, I begin to look at his let 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 her carry him. 
we have walked this far with God. And that when it seems that now things do not play out the way we expected, we do not compromise. You are okay, this is We do not what? We do not compromise. Why do you think Job, after the report was brought to him that he had lost all he had got, all he would do is to bow his head and say, Naked I come into the world and naked I go? The fact of God's integrity. What did you think the devil wants to use to sweep Jesus Christ off his feet? He said, If you are the Son of God, doubt what he has spoken about you. He said they will give his angel charge over you, and your hands will bear you up, lest you dash your feet against the soul. Now let's practice it here. Christ said, Look, I know that this word cannot fail, and I know where it applies. And one of the reasons the Lord is giving me this message for the body, not even for us, for the body of Christ this season, is because too many people are stoned where the Lord had not done any deal for us. They begin to confess, they begin to. to to quote promises the Lord actually had not given to us. Meanwhile, those promises of the scriptures, as beautiful as they are, are meant to bring us to the point of Pistu's faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is faithful. I will keep saying this. You know, Kenneth Copeland shared how that he had an encounter with the Father. And God told him that he had anointed him to be a healing minister. And the Lord told him particularly in that vision that whoever he lays his hand upon will recover. He said when he got that revelation, you know he was a prophet of God. You know, he said when he got that revelation, he was so excited. So he went around looking for the sick like um, Archbishop Benson Dahuza did. He said the first 10 people he laid his hand upon, the 10 of them died instantaneously. But he said they kept on confessing, I have received an anointing and the healing anointing. But he said, amazingly, he did not quit. Meanwhile, the 11th person he laid his hand upon jumped out of the sick bed. The power of consistency. So that you work it now, or that we don't see it so now, or that the realities in our life do not match that which God has said should not make us doubt it. Christ was in the wilderness. Meanwhile, he was to live in the city to be the Savior. And while in the wilderness, he could not even eat for 40 days, God, as powerful as he is, would not feed him. Why? Perhaps it was a phase in his life. Or maybe it was part of his text, checking whether he will compromise his integrity. Hallelujah. Now, we round off on this note. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11. 1 and 2. And I will show you a verse in order to prove to you that what the gospel of Jesus is all about is God's faithfulness. And I think I showed you that in Romans chapter 1 verse 2, that the gospel is concerning son Jesus Christ was of the seed of David. And I read in verse 2 in particular, that is verse 3 of course, in verse 2 particularly, it says that the gospel was what God promised the father aforetime. But now it's manifested. That is faithfulness. So you don't need to look so far searching for God's faithfulness. You don't need to look for a charming biography of somebody who told you of how God lifted him from grass to grave before you believe that God is faithful. 
You don't need to re- to read again the story, the chronicle of Joseph chronicles of joseph of how god brought him out of the prison and the next day was in the palace to actually attest god's faithfulness god's faithfulness is that he spoke he did it and ends the reason of our trust in him today hallelujah hallelujah the death of jesus expresses god's love for us in that it showed us in a practical terms God's commitment, God's concern, God's care for the human race. But what it makes us to have the confidence of trusting that which God has done in Christ is because he had left us enough pages where he proved himself to be faithful. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Okay. Okay. All right, now what is God showing us by allowing the writer of the scriptures to write about faith as a substance of things up for? You know, in the modest church, we believe that that scripture is a definition of faith. And anytime faith is to be defined, you see our preachers, our ministers go to that Hebrews 11 verse 1 and they begin to tell you faith is the substance of things of form. Then they begin the analysis. You see, faith is that when you see something in the future and you believe that God can do it for you, so you so much believe it, you don't let anything cross your heart, you don't doubt God though and you see that thing happen to you, that is your faith. So where is your faith? In fact, they even went on to the extent of telling us that one of the reasons why we don't receive from God is because we don't have faith. Your faith is small now. But those submissions do not speak what God wants to communicate. Now, the scripture tells us in Hebrews 1.11, about God's will of operation and God's will of dealing. And that is why in verse 2 we saw that the writer of the books of Hebrews brought a story along the line, which is the story of the father. Hebrews 11, 2 said that by the faith men of those days, that the fathers we are talking about who walked with God before us received a good report. So if fathers who had gone before us received a good report, then we have got to understand what faith is. Meanwhile, never you think that faith is the substance of things all for and evidence of things not seen is meant to define faith. It is not. So what is the writer of the book of Hebrews telling us? He's showing us a system by which God does things. And what is that all about? That this faith we're talking about is a reality. So we can also read Hebrews 11 one as faith is the manifestation of all that which god had promised the fathers in the scriptures that now we are now partaker of in christ so what is faith faith is the manifestation of christ so this is an explanation of what we have come into in christ not a definition this is a scripture telling us that all that God had promised, he had done. So faith, that is, 
the conviction of the people in God, which they never saw, had been manifested. Now, the question that we ask, in order to speak clarity, actually, is this. What does the scripture mean when it says that faith is the substance? What is the substance of faith? Hallelujah. Faith is a substance. What is substance? Something tangible. Something as an evidence. And actually, you know as much as I do that in Hebrews 11, 1, there are two definitions there. So that you will not miss what the author was telling you. He had to redefine. So he gave you two from the KJV. He said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. One definition. Faith is the evidence of things you have not seen. Second definition. Two definitions in one. So this guy understands that faith is the evidence, like a receipt, like a certificate of the school I have not attended. So it meant to say that in God's dealing with man, God ensures that you are convinced of what he's doing in your life because before he takes you on the journey. Now, what is this substance? What is this evidence? Now, this evidence, the scripture calls it promises. So, faith is the fulfillment of the promise that a savior will come into the world. So, you can say faith is God's faithfulness. And actually, the word faith, as you see in the scripture, is the word uh, fidelity, which means faithfulness. Conviction based on what is truth. There is something I want to show us this morning. That we do not receive from God on the basis of faith. We receive from God because of his love. But that we can trust his love because he has faithfulness. He has been the God of integrity. Meanwhile, the evidence of our faith is that Christ manifests. In other words, we can see there are two angles by which we understand faith. Faith before Christ came and faith after Christ came. There are two different things. So we can begin to talk about the faith of Abraham, the faith of Moses, the faith of Noah, the faith of Adam, and the faith of the apostles. There are two different things. Now, what was the difference? The faith of Abraham, the faith of Adam, the faith of Elijah, the faith of Elisha is based on the promise of the seed. Who is Christ? So, what did Abraham add faith in? He had faith in God. That a seed will come out of him that will bless the whole world. What was the faith of Adam? It was that a seed will come out of him that will bruise the head of Lucifer. What is the faith of Moses? That God himself will raise a seed. So, they were anticipating to have these promises come into reality. But now, faith for us is not just an expectation of the promise. Faith for us is the fulfillment of the promise. So we all believe the same thing. So you don't say, ah, all your promises. You know, the scripture told us, you know, Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, how to express his displeasure to the Corinthians Christians. Like I've told you, every scripture has a background. Why did Paul wrote the Corinthians Letters because of the problems in the church and because of the accusation of him. One of which was that they told one another that Paul was a blatant liar. That look, Paul said he's going to come and visit us. He cannot come here, and that's why he had not come. 
And Paul said, look, what is wrong with you? When I was coming from Asia, I had an accident. I was almost dying, but I did not die. And I felt that I'm going to go through a particular region, maybe Macedonia. And when I leave Macedonia, I will come to you. But I did not come to you because of two things. One, I had an accident. And because of accident, I did not come. And secondly, I don't want to come because if I come, I'm going to quarrel with you. Because that which I addressed in the first letter, you have not done them. Hallelujah. So he wrote to them. So as he went on, he began to tell them, please say, do not crucify me. I'm quoting Paul. He said, because in Christ, all the promises of God are all, are yes and amen. That was what brought that statement. So if today, one prominent minister of God told you that next year is going to do, um, is going to do charity worth of 5 billion, like that, that they said at the beginning of this year, that is allocating about 20 something billion for all the provincial headquarters so that they can feed everybody in their community for free. Then after two months, not none of such projects was in place. Then people began to grumble that that papa but daddy said he's going to give money, he didn't give money, and are they lying to us and all of that. Paul said that look, do not crucify that daddy boy because that daddy boy can talk and later change it. But all the promises of God in Christ had been done. So God did not owe you anything, did not owe me anything. So I don't say, God, you killed my brother and you know that we've been serving you. Where is your faithfulness? I come and prove yourself. No, I don't have any sense of entitlement. He's the one who came after me to bring me to himself. And regardless of what happened around me, faith is a substance. Now, the last thing I'm doing as you go into the devotional properly is that what is that substance? I want to show you from the scriptures that that substance the writer of the books of Hebrew gave us a synonym so he called it the promises so you can read Hebrews 11 1 as faith is the promises of what the fathers in the Old Testament hope for that is faith is the believers in the New Testament coming to the reality of what Abraham cannot touch Coming to the reality that all that John the Baptist, although was the greatest of all the prophets, could do is just to announce and not to enter into. But I entered into it because it's a reality for me. That was what Christ was saying. That of all the prophets that had risen among men, none of them is as great as John the Baptist. But the lay, the little in the kingdom of God is the greatest. What is Christ saying? Never you forget Apostle Paul's interpretation in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 that he had translated us into the kingdom of his son. So when Christ talked about the Father, the little in the kingdom of God, he's talking about the believer. Because Christ had brought us into the kingdom. Do you understand that scripture? So when Christ said that the little in the kingdom, he talks about the believer. That the believer in Christ is greater than the greatest of all the prophets. It was not just a theology we used to console ourselves. It was Jesus' statement. Now, what is meant by that statement? But the fact that faith to them, and faith is the promises of the Savior, or the promise of the Savior, as we have seen in Isaiah and, and other scriptures, say faith to them is what they spoke and anticipate about. First Peter chapter 1, of all this the prophet said, and they told them that it was not for them but for us. So the reason why Daniel was swallowing God was not because to become the senator of Babylon. The reason is because he knows that in the day of those, in the days of those kings, the Lord Himself will raise a king. We are anticipating a seed. 
So Hebrews chapter 1 does not say that God is showing you anything. And it's not a ministry of making your vision that what is your vision? God can do it now. Faith is the substance of things before. You just hope for it and put your trust in God that is able to do everything. He's the Almighty God. He can do everything. He's the Yanta Tayan. He's the Jehovah Ishada. He's the Jehovah Mekadesh King. That's not what the scripture is saying. But this is a scripture as though the Lord is telling us that God has cleared himself. Are we together still? God owes nobody anything. He has done his part. Faith is God. Having done his part, calling us to trust him for the future. Hmm. I can dig this further. Because all of the messages of the scriptures resonate into the fact of faith. Now we can trust this father. Who had done that which. And that's why in all of the scriptures, you see Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, um, John, and every one of them, we begin with blessed with God, who had blessed us with these blessings, which he had promised before. They will speak of God's foreknowledge of things. And that that foreknowledge is expressed in Christ. Now, the last thing I said I want to do, they will round off here, is that faith is a substance and that substance refers to the promises and the scriptures told us that those guys died in faith not having received the promises that is amazing so if somebody tells you that your faith should make you to receive from god but the bible told us that the elders received a good report yet he said the elders died yet they never received then what is the good report that's paradox it does not make sense it's not like saying that i applied for the training i was not given admission but i was told i'm a graduate i should attend the convocation party it does not make sense which means that what they had faith over in fact the scripture told us in hebrews that many of them were sown to death their faith did not deliver them widows they said they have their children back to life i said many of them the world was not better for and he said in one of the verses, all these haven't received a good report by their faith. Yet we are not made complete without us. Because that which they were looking for was not expressed in their time. So we have got to be a witness as they are looking to heaven. When I enter into heaven, I am imagining all of the prophets running to me and say, did Christ actually came? And I will tell them, he came, they will rejoice. We never received it, but today it is a substance to them. So to them it was not a substance. To them it was a promises. So if the people in the Old Testament were to define faith or explain faith, they say faith is the promise the Father had given to us about the seed. If a New Testament, a member of the church will define faith, you say now that faith is no longer a promise, that faith is now a substance. Hallelujah. So God owes me nothing. But I owe him everything. Why do I owe him everything? Owe him everything? Because I have defaulted. Because I have strolled away. And yet it came after me. Two more scriptures. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11. Faith is a substance of things offered. What is that hope? Peter explained. First Peter chapter 1, verse 11. 11. He said that you have not seen, yet you believe. He, re- he, re- he, re- he repeated, having not seen, yet you loved, whom 
that had died for you. So what is faith according to Peter? It is believing in Christ you have not seen. And believing that all that the scripture have said happened to him, happened to him indeed for you. I can dig this very further and go into other scriptures. And this is how we know God. This God revealing himself to us. So knowing God is not going to want to okay, and you pray and you are sweating like, like a ram. Knowing God is simply understanding the faithfulness of God in his world. Hallelujah. Now let's say the last scripture. I won't go to that other scripture I mentioned. In First Peter chapter 1. There is a very interesting scriptures. Maybe tomorrow I will go there. Hebrews chapter 1. So we are going to read from I'm looking from where to read. Okay. Okay, let me go to my scriptures and leave my notes so that I can pick the scripture accurately. Hebrews chapter 11 rather, not chapter 1. When we are done with Exodus, we are going to study the book of Hebrews. And a book of in the book of Hebrews, we want to see the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We want to see Jesus Christ the Almighty from the book of from the books of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Now let's read from Okay. Verse 13. Are you there? Verse 13. Very quickly. I will just reverse the thing because of the time so we can do the devotion. Maybe tomorrow I will pick further. Are you there? We have read we have read Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one and two. Face the substance of things over. Another definition, the evidence of things not seen, verse two. By it the elders did what? Receive a good report. Now verse thirteen explaining. Now can you read or Okay, who are the days? The elders that received a good report. Though having received the promises, but having seen them afar, okay, they are assured of them. Okay, embraced them. Okay, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Verse fourteen. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. All right, is enough. Look at the scriptures. These elders, they all died in faith, but they did not receive what? The, so what is the substance of their faith? Promises. So what is faith? Faith is the fulfillment of God's promises. So you don't say, say it's a substance. No, that substance is a title deed. Uh, and it means that when you are trusting God for something, that is your substance. And when you begin to see scriptures that talk about that thing that you want, you begin to look for scripture that talks about your health. And that is faith. As you begin to say it, it, becomes to, it begins to become a substance in your heart. And when it becomes a substance, you begin to have faith to receive it. And that's how you receive it. That's how Sarah received faith. That's how Sarah conceived. That's not what the scriptures say. So how did I receive things from God? Romans chapter 8. If he did not spare his son, faithfulness, but delivered him for us. How shall he not? Is it because of my faith? It's not for my faith. How shall he not? What's my faith placed in Christ? Receive all things. So how do, do we receive from God? We receive because of our union with Christ. Not because of my faith. 
So faith is not a, in fact, you know, we have been told that have faith in God, how big your faith determines what you receive. In fact, nobody can have faith. What gives us faith is the word of God. I can give you five scriptures on that. One of them, very popular. Faith comes by what? By hearing, by hearing the word of God. So does God require faith from anybody? No, God gives you faith. Now, I have just told you God's integrity. Now, if I begin to mention stories in the Bible of how God demonstrates his faithfulness to people, I don't need to tell you that you can stake your life for anything for those things God have done. What gives you that faith? God! So God does not require. It's a wrong teaching that tells you you need big faith. As big as your faith, as big as your miracle. Where did you get that from? It's not the Bible I've been reading. Hallelujah. And one of the reasons why we can see all this is because we are students of God's words. So if at all we want to know God, we have got to stay with the scriptures. And that's what First Samuel chapter 2 tells us. That God revealed himself to Samuel by how? By his word. So what is God doing to us this morning? Revealing himself to us. And what is he showing us about himself? Revealing his faithfulness. We may come here tomorrow and God is revealing to us his mercies. Hallelujah. So let's quickly turn to our, our scriptures. Now it should be Exodus where? Exodus 3 3. Glory be to God for heaven. This is a season where we celebrate God's faithfulness, and that's the essence of Christmas. We are looking at God's faithfulness, God's promise of a Savior, and God giving of a Savior. Glory be to God. 33, right? From verse 1, are we reading? Verse 1 to 10. So I will read very quickly and be ready to, to take us through. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go from thence. Hmm. We understand the protest. In the protest, he has dealt with the, with the Hebrews. And he had told them he would not go with them. He would let his angels go with them. And as though God was driving them out of where they have been, Monsina. And this is about six months after they've gotten to Monsina. Okay, and God said, look, I will not deal with you further. Move from this end. So that was the protest now, the main test. And the Lord said, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up ends, Thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. Hmm. Unto the land which I swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and saying, and saying unto thy seed will I give it. Still, this is still integrity of God. All that God was doing for the Jews, he was doing it for his integrity. And I will send an angel before thee instead of his presence. And I explained this to you last week anyway. I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the, the Evite, and the Jebusite. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, and I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou hast seen next people, lest I consume thee in the way. That's what's nothing. And when the people heard this evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornament. That, was, that is where people say that God said, tell them not to use your ring and all of that. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israelite, You are stiff-necked people. 
I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornament from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel striped themselves of their ornament by Mount Oreb. Okay? Verse 7. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. This is another narrative. Something has got wrong here. Hallelujah. You are listening to your podcast. Okay. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it. Please mark verse 7. Very key. It's good we, we, we pay attention to that. Time will not permit us to, to look at something there. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. That's interesting. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was done into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloud, the pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked to Moses. And all the people saw the cloud, the pillar, stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and watched every man in the tent. May the Lord bless us as he has blessed his word. Now please pick that up. The devotional reading, pick it up now, I've told you. Hallelujah. So, in continuation from 